you can find Spring Spirit Podcast at springspiritpodcast.ca. Spring Spirit Podcast is also available on seven different podcast platforms. Basically, wherever you can find a podcast, you can find Spring Spirit Podcast. Sit back and enjoy. John Langan is a Soto Cree man from Kisigus First Nation, a graduate of the Indigenous Justice and Criminology Program at the University of Saskatchewan. John continues to apply his skills to his now full-time job as a police constable while still serving his country with the Canadian Armed Forces part-time. John's unique upbringing has helped him bring a unique perspective to both his public service and service to his country. On top of everything, John continues to carry his people's culture by practicing and continuing ceremony. Dance no ago magante, sikuna chaka siga sun, ataka go pochinia. My name is Sequin Achak, and that translates into Spring Spirit, which is why my podcast is called Spring Spirit. Welcome, John. Dance on Ninjagogin Atlante. That's good that you use a language. That's awesome. Niawo take Kiskus First Nation. Ego, wa pastem. Because I'm a hard worker, so <laughs> so they so my native name is Whitehorse, apparently, because I'm a hard worker. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> so, John, tell us about Iskoches and what that means to you. Iskoches is um, it means like a little fire, like a little spark. It's my son's native name because the title of my book before was. Resiliency, my nose above water, but I knew that word was being used a lot. So I just prayed, honest to God, like I just prayed and I laid in my bed and and then I was looking at my son and that's his name, Iskuches. So when I looked at my son, I just said, no, I'm I'm going to name my book after my boy just so he can remember it in the future because right now he, he probably won't read it, but in the future, I know he's going to read it. So, and it's in the back to how I explain what the name is and all that. Then, in the grand scheme of things, uh, Iskoches is just like that spark. Um, it's uh, just being that small little spark because in everything that I did in my life, it always started just with a little spark, just with a little thought, with a little belief. And as I went from there, it just kind of kept going, kept going and getting bigger and bigger. So that's what that word means to me is just being a little fire there. There's a lot more behind it, but... Yeah, it's. I don't want to give away too much because I add a little bit more in my book there than you kind of read there with my rough copy. But yeah, it's a it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. I was glued to it when I was reading the the first drafts of your book. <laughs> yeah. So before we talk about your book, I know that's going to be a, a big topic here. I just want to ask about uh, Kisigus. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about Kisigus and where it's located? Uh, Kiskus is about four hours from Saskatoon. It's about southeast. When I explain it to people, they're always like, where's Kiskus? And I'll be like, uh, do you know where Kamsak is? And they'll be like, uh, no. Uh, do you know where Yorkton is? No. Do you know where Regina is? And they're like, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's a small little Soto reserve. Um, usually because our reserve was in Manitoba before, but the lands mm-hmm. that they gave us, uh, they were crappy. 
So they weren't really good enough for farming. So we ended up moving uh, 40 kilometers west, which we just got into Saskatchewan. And then the neighboring reserves are Cody and Keys. Basically, everybody from those three reserves are all related. And Keyscoos just means, uh, and Soto, it just means like a little piece of heaven. But we actually had some people come from Ethiopia to come into our reserve back about 15 years ago. And they said that it kind of reminds them of how their home life is there, just how bad it was there. But uh, mm-hmm. no, it's uh, it's in Treaty 4 territory. It's uh, but, So our reserve in that area is, is part of the Bear Clan. So for the whole Ojibwe system there without a clan system, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. that area is the Bear Clan. So. Um, I heard you talk a little bit about your son, John Langham, being a dad. How is that? <laughs> It's uh, ever since I was young, I always wanted to be a dad. Um, since I lost my father to suicide, you know, um, you know, it was a big thing. Um, but I'm glad I didn't really get to know him because everybody always needs a dad. Uh, you always need that part in your life there. And when I lost him, my mom knew what to do. And she constantly looked for a dad for us. So mm-hmm. my mom found us. A stepdad, but I don't like saying that word because he was my dad. Because he was man enough to take care of me and my four older brothers since I'm the youngest of five. And mm-hmm. just just everything that he taught me was awesome. And I just glorified him in everything that he taught me. And then from that point on, I just told myself, I'm like, well, if a man can do this and take on five boys that aren't his, then I want to be a dad. So even when I was young, because there's always things when when you grow up, like when you're being disciplined or anything like that, you're like, this is what I'm going to change when I'm a dad. I'm going to try my own style. So the whole time as I was a kid, I'm like, okay, yeah, I, di- I didn't like this part, but in the future, this is what I'm going to change. So now that I am a dad, you know, it's it's everything that I dream of and more because I'm raising my kids to go further than me. I want them to go farther than whatever I could accomplish. And they're already starting to do that. <laughs> they're already <laughs> super stressed out from report cards and they're getting like perfect marks. I'm just like, just do your best. That's all I ask of you. I will support you whenever you do. I don't care if you want to be a hairdresser. I don't care if you want to. If you want to go and travel, I said, I will always be there for you. So don't ever pressure yourself to try to be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So in the recent media events that are happening in re- regards to the unmarked graves in residential school, um, do you have anything to share with us in that regards? And, and you had already shared a little bit of how we get better with each generation with the healing. Yeah. So I'm I'm su- super glad that I spoke about it in my book because uh, it's all that intergenerational trauma because one thing my dad always taught me, you know, he's like always concentrate on the present because it truly is a gift and the future. So that's what I always try to do. Um, so my father and my mom, they both went to so my mom went to day school and then my father went to residential school. My dad, who was my stepdad, he went to residential school. He told me all these kind of different stories that went on. But growing up as a child, you know, you just kind of have that small mind. I always took everything my dad said and my mom said with a green assault, just being young. And then as you grow up and you mature and you start to get more educated in the things that actually did go on, you're just like, holy cow, 
what my dad said was true because there was a movie that came out that was called Indian Horse. And that was the actual residential school my dad went to. And my dad didn't tell us his stories until he was just like almost gone. And he, he told me the reason why he didn't like hockey because because growing up, he always used to say, and just mind my language, it's just my dad. He'd be like, hockey's for homos because he never let us play hockey or anything like that. And I always wondered why. And then when he told me the story of what happened, he got a hockey stick when he went home for the two months in the summertime. And if you watch the movie Indian Horse, they have a big hockey program there. But my dad was too young to start practicing and he wouldn't listen and he wanted to play hockey. He ended up getting beat black and blue with a hockey stick. And then from that moment on, he said, I'm not going to let a man ever try to beat me up again. And then he... um, he ended up staying in residential school for a little bit longer, but then he went on his own when he was 13 and then he became a logger after that. But just all these stories that happen, you know, like there's lots, there's even some that I didn't even bother to share in my book. Cause like they were too, way too dark. Like I learned way more in this book, just uh, talking to my mom and the things that she went through as well. And, you know, like even with my cuckoo, which is, grandmother in Soto, like she went through so much as well. Like I can't even share how dark it is for the stuff that, sh- that she had to do. And, you know, like even with my editor, he said, no, I think we should just keep that out. John. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I agreed to, but these intergenerational traumas and my dad was teaching me as he was raising me because he had all these traumas that he kind of had from that he hid from us. But he said, uh, I'm trying my best to love you, my boys. Uh, he, he said, just know that you'll have these past generations that don't know how to be a parent. They don't know how to love because when he went to residential school, they didn't receive that love. So you have this big lack of parenting skills. So my dad tried to teach me as much as I could. But he said, the creator gave you a smart mind to think and to use it. Don't believe everything you hear in this life. So like I stated before, with all my skills that I wanted to be a dad and all that too, I started to think all the things my dad told me. I'm like, okay, what do I need to do in the future to make a better change? So that's what I started to do. And I started preparing myself to be a parent at a very, very young age, very young age. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that with us. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a long way to go, but it feels like there's... um, the heaviness is lifting. The heaviness yeah. is lifting. And uh, thank you for writing your book. I can't wait to read the final draft. <laughs> it's going to be good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to lighten things up a bit, John, tell us about being deadly. <laughs> uh, what have you really to be deadly? Uh, no, just uh, that's one thing I always try to do is just... Um, I'm trying to create what a, like a strong indigenous person should be. Um, you know, like I haven't drank in um, probably 10 years about there, 10 or 11 years. I can't remember. It was, it was at a Rihanna concert, <laughs> but uh, that, uh, that's how kind of I remember it. Eh? But uh, I just don't believe, and this is my opinion, is just indigenous people aren't meant to drink. It's just because uh, the way I make people try to kind of understand is just uh, to think of the folk fest. 
Um, so you have the German pavilion, you have the Ukrainian pavilion, you have all these other money all pavilions and it all goes around alcohol because that's their culture. Eh? And mm-hmm. I ran the friendship center one before and I was like, can you imagine if we had an indigenous pavilion and when you come in, they're like, here, have a shot of whiskey. You know, it just doesn't jive with our culture. Eh? <laughs> and uh, those are the things that I just want to be proud of. It's just that I don't drink, that I'm trying mm-hmm. my be the best father I can. Obviously, I'm not perfect. Uh, just doing things because I stop and think, and I'm just like, man, a lot of people would want to be doing what I'm doing right now. Like with the army, like I get to shoot guns that nobody else gets to. I get to do a lot of other things that people don't get to do. Like even flying a jet. I never thought I would even be flying a jet because when I was young, I wanted to be an astronaut because I put my dreams like far, eh? as far as I could go. And then, uh, and then uh, I ended up just joining the army and stuff. But still, I still had that opportunity to fly a jet. And I didn't believe it when I heard it because I went to go do an indigenous awareness presentation in Musha. I wasn't even I wasn't even prepared to at all at all. Uh, so then, um, one of my other army people were like, uh, and so we have uh, Master Corporal at the time. He's like, uh, we have Master Corporal John Langan coming to do a presentation. I was just like, what? And then I was like, how long do you want me to talk? And like. <laughs> 25 minutes and i'm like okay and i just got up and at the beginning there's probably about 25 people inside this little hall and then i started talking for about 10 minutes and then all of a sudden there's like 300 people in this hallway and all these helicopter pilots and pilots started to come in and then they were listening to my story eh? and then usually i don't like to look at the crowd i'll kind of just look right above their heads just so i don't mm-hmm. get more nervous but i'm pretty good speaking in front of crowds now but uh, then I started to see tears on one person and I just like, okay. And then I kept going. And then after they, uh, they were done, these helicopter pilots, like, do you want to come on a ride along in a helicopter? I was like, I already flew in a helicopter. And then uh, I was like, I'm looking for the jets. Uh, I'm looking for the pilots. So then they, uh, they said, yeah, we'll make it happen. And then I kind of told that uh, commanding officer, I was like, I'll believe it when I see it. Because I got told a lot of things in the Army and the majority of them aren't true. Sure enough, within two weeks, yeah, we we're flying in a jet. We we're up there for like an hour and a half, and I got to fly for 15 minutes. And yeah, just one of those moments where you pinch yourself and it doesn't really sink in until about 30 days later. And you're like, I actually flew a jet and I was puking <laughs> and everything. <laughs> uh, no, just more things that I do. I'm just trying to, um, the key thing about stopping drinking is just staying occupied. Like even things like writing this book. Like uh, you have so much more time for everything. And that just led to going to ceremony. Uh, just from there is how I quit and just constantly doing these things because I kind of teach my son. I'm like, in the future, my boy, I said, people are going to kind of see indigenous people as we grow stronger, which we are. They're going to start seeing ceremonies in a more beautiful light because people are naturally curious and they want to see these things and, I said, so just knowing the future, like even having long hair with my son now, we haven't cut it once. We just trimmed it a few times. But those mm-hmm. things in the future, it's going to be deadly too, just being indigenous. And, you know, it's just kind of this stage now where we're starting to transform and we're starting to get on the platform to have a stronger voice. These residential schools, now it's finally starting to come to light. All of these things that we kind of ignored and played off, now they're starting to come up. And now we're starting to be identified as actually strong beautiful indigenous people right absolutely nicely put in your book from the draft that i read um there were a lot of life lessons that you went through 
And I feel through the book, you turn them into life teachings. Yeah, yeah. Um, I witnessed a lot. I, uh, I've been abducted, I think, three times now. And then my mom was aware of like two of them. So a new one was kind of brought to her ears. Uh, mm -hmm. I prevented a murder. Um, I saw so many drugs growing up. I saw a lot growing up. And I know when you grow up in that kind of environment, so easy just to be like, yeah, I can do that. Because as a child, and this is the kind of thing my dad taught me too, he's like, as a child, you see how your parents deal with any kind of stress or any kind of problems. So mm -hmm. it's just a cycle that continues, that continues. And I almost caught myself into it, you know, like, as I would see people take, because first it started with alcohol, then it started with pills, and then the pills transform into more harder drugs and all the way to the top to crystal meth to where I am now. But I'm glad that I observed them and I told myself, because I would make little promises to myself. I'm like, if that's how I'm going to look, if I'm drunk or if I'm doing pills, then I would not want any part of that. So just taking care of people who were pilled up or who were high, I just kind of had that observation and I had this epiphany where I was just like, that's not how I want to be when I grow up because my dad was already teaching me how to do things, but he was dealing with his traumas. And there's probably a lot more that he went through that I don't even know about, but he taught me how to be a good person, how to apply myself, how not to be lazy. Cause he always told me, he's like, you cannot call yourself a man if you're on welfare. No man can call himself a man. If he's on welfare, you must have a job. You must have your own car and you must have your own home. If you want to at least call yourself a man. So just those things that I'm glad that he taught me growing up and, yeah. Sorry, I kind of go on all tangents. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Um, so we had a question here from a Juliana. What is the name of your book? She said, sorry, she came in late, but she wants to know the name of your book. It's uh, so this is my proof. It's Iskuchis Tipiskak. So e even with the name, like, because uh, when I was asking a lot of different areas of Cree language there, I even got a university professor involved. Um, he said, uh, it's Iskochiska Tipiskak. And then when I spoke to your dad, Barry, uh, he said, Iskochiska Tipiskak. And then he said, no, no. He said, it'll be Iskochiska Tipiskak. And then, but where I go to ceremony in Sweetgrass, like, uh, like I asked, uh, like I asked in a lodge, like, is that okay to call it that? And they're like, yeah. So, so then I did the book design and everything. And then it was all done. And then I was just like, oh, no, I got to change it now. Um, <laughs> but uh, I got told by the people that teach me, they're like, no, keep it the way it is. That shows your area. And then it also will showcase how unique our language is. I was like, yeah, that's true. So, <laughs> But that's what it's called. It's called a spark in the dark. Okay. So who designed that beautiful book cover? You said you uh, did, but yeah how did that come to be i got it on uh 99designs.com um so what it was is you pay like so there's like bronze silver and gold um so i paid for the bronze package which is a like 600 canadian and then you have like 50 entries of people who want that money and then you got to pick it and then you got to pick like top 10 and then top five and then top three but I already knew once I saw this one, I was like, that's probably going to be it. Um, 
and then after that, yeah, just yeah, he then you kind of tell him what your message is. But his name was uh Sh- Sherwin Soy off of 99designs.com. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, so I I I have it in the back here. I wish I got the whole thing, but it, I there's like uh three parts of your life represented. Oh yeah. Yeah, so on my book here, so that's the one thing I wanted was um, just to show that my indigenous spirituality is like the main thing that keeps me centered in everything. And that's who I want to be known as. Um, I want to be known as John Lang, and I don't want to be known as Constable Lang, and I don't want to be known as Sergeant Lang with the Army. Um, those things that I just wanted to showcase that that's what I had in my head in the very beginning of last year in Halloween is I said, that's what I want to do with my photo. And mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's cause at the end of the day, you know, all I have is family and both those jobs, I'm easily replaceable. So mm-hmm. that's why I always try to tell myself that family and who I am kind of keeps me centered. Cause I do see a lot of things with, with, with my jobs and yeah, that's, crazy the things I see with my job but just going to ceremony and talking about it and putting everything there and leaving it there that's the main thing and yeah it's taken me a long way so far where I am now so so we have a few shout outs here I'm going to acknowledge our listeners we have Paul Kaspsawan he says Tanse we have a Denny Ate podcast joining us here tonight or today and says Dante as well. Dante. Um, Spring Spirit podcast, number one fan, Kimona Henikyu. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, what's new and exciting? Uh, what's new and exciting is um, I made a new video on my website and um, I just did it with my daughter, eh? So it's uh, www.sparkinandark.com. And me and my daughter did it, eh? Because I'm beginning into video editing and it's hard. But uh, uh, <laughs> uh, once I did it, that's when all these other news people started to reach out to me, eh? Because when I wrote this, to, like, honest, I, I probably reached out to, like, 300 people. Like, 300 different emails and actors, musicians, everything. I just reached out to all of them and... Out of those 300 people, maybe 15% got to me, got back to me. And out of those 15%, maybe half will actually do what I asked them because it's always like, what's in it for me? So now everything's starting to pay off with all this hard work I'm doing. And now CTV, Global, CBC, no, CBC, APTN, Nelson Bird is also doing something on me and all these newspapers and radios now they're starting to come to me now and now I'm starting to get all booked up and I'm just like man like <laughs> yeah because I'm going to be busy for like the next three weeks and then even after that's when the real work starts because uh, yeah there's going to be a lot more but now uh, there's that and my job is going good I got promoted to sergeant in uh, January yeah yeah mm-hmm. and things are going good and everything's good like I bought my first home. Like I didn't even think it would be possible to buy my first home. Like I, I were raised not knowing any kind of people who own homes or anything like that. And 
like i was honestly just like everybody else i just kind of spent everything like on kfc walmart <laughs> like i would just spend all my money right away because i wasn't really shown how to save money or anything i wasn't taught anything about credit scores or anything like that and then uh yeah i just <laughs> i just uh got my credit score up and followed everything that this person told me and believed in myself and my wife pushed me and everything that I'm saying, you guys is all my wife. Like she is everything to me. She pushes me. She tells me to Spartan up. She tells me to like, even when I'm in public, she's like, you're going to be this public person. You got to start acting. acting <laughs> right here. <laughs> like, um, yeah, no, it's uh there's lots going on. It's just, you know, I kind of had to start to learn to say no to some things now. And yeah. So I'm so glad army's kind of stood down for the summer and then mm -hmm. I, concentrate on this book here but yeah there's a lot of good stuff going on right now yeah ceremonies too and i'm oh i'm just so busy right now but you know that's mm -hmm. one thing that always keeps me going and now it's just like a chunk out of my life right now just just even being gone for them for the past month it's just mm -hmm. a big thing to me because it's such a huge part of my life and you know what but this one cook them from from Sweetgrass, who's really strict, by the way, like really strict. <laughs> and I thought she would be against my book. Eh? So once I told her about it and uh, she's like, no, John, she's like, you are honestly being a true Oscar. She said, you are doing the creator's work. She said, you are doing ceremony full time right now. So she said, you keep going with that book. And I was like, mm, I will. So, <laughs> yeah. That's just beautiful. And uh, yeah, our elders, our elders keep us in line in a good way so that yeah. we walk in a good way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With yeah. the last few minutes of our show here, John, do you have any words of inspiration for young boys who grew up similarly to you? And by that, when people read your book, they will understand. Do you have words for them? Um, just don't use your upbringing as an excuse. Like, uh, the book and so my book is a common indigenous experience just don't use your upbringing as an excuse use it as power all those unique things that you go through and you may think you're the only person going through it there's tons like you pray don't forget to pray and even if you don't believe in anything speak to somebody everybody believes in something it, it could be money, which is a bad one, but it could be anything. Lean on your family. If you don't have any family, reach out to people. Don't be afraid to be yourself. Always be yourself. Always be yourself and ask people for help because that's just one thing about us as humans is we're always prideful and stuff. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to put that hand out, but, don't, but also remind yourself to go that way, to go halfway at least. That way, those hands can actually reach out for your hand. All right. www.asparkinthedark.com. Thank you, John, for joining us today. And I know you're very busy as the summertime is full-time ceremony time. And uh, safe travels to you and your beautiful family. Thank you. Nice. Hey, hi.